Welcome to Murder Bucket, the podcast where I dive deep into murders, paranormal activity, abductions, kidnappings, and weird stuff. I'm your host, Hannah. Let's see what I'm going to pull out of the bucket this week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Tuesday, and you know what Tuesdays mean. Tuesdays mean another episode on the Cold Case Road Trip. Tonight, we will be taking a tour to Rhode Island. And yes, I understand I only told you one location. That is because my life has been slightly crazy and I did not have the chance to get the second location written and recorded and edited in time to get you tonight's episode, you know, at a decent time. So tonight will just be one location. Next week will be the second location. And then we'll get back to our normal routine of two locations each episode. Let's move on to our week slash weekend recap. Let's see. How did my week slash weekend go? Wednesday night, my 13-month-old decided not to sleep through the night, probably because she's teething. So she was waking up every couple of hours, crying, couldn't get her to go back to sleep, couldn't soothe her. So both my husband and I had a super rough night. Ended up not going to work on Thursday. We were off on Friday because it was Good Friday. So we hung around the house, got a few things done, run some errands, you know, did the normal adult thing. Saturday, I went on a bike ride with one of my friends, Lindsay. Um, She is actually starting to train for a like week road trip kind of, where she rides her bike with a group of people for an extended period of time. So I decided to not really join her, but kind of join her for her training. So Saturday morning, we went out for about an hour, so almost six miles. It was actually really fun. Um, can't wait to do it this Saturday. It's going to be great. And then Then we went to the bike shop here in our area to go get her bike looked at. Um, Some of her gears weren't working correctly. And then we were able to find her a helmet that actually fit her because she has a very small head. Now, I thought I had a small head, but Lindsay, you have a teeny tiny head. But I am very thankful you did not have to buy a child's helmet and you got your pretty lime green slash bright yellow helmet. Because now if I lose you on the trail, I will always be able to find you. Sunday was Easter. Happy Easter. I hope everyone had a great Easter. Hope you did Easter egg hunt with your kids or you did Easter egg hunts on your own. Did you decorate Easter eggs? Did you get candy? What about an Easter basket? Do Are we still supposed to get Easter baskets as adults? Because... 
I mean, I didn't really get one. My daughter, though, she got really cute Easter baskets from my husband and I. She picked out some of her things in her own Easter basket. And then we got her cute little plastic eggs and filled them with uh, goldfish and puffs, which she loves, absolutely loves. Could eat those all day long. I mean, I could too because they are delicious. And she got some Easter bunny ears and a cute little Easter bunny. And then our family friends who watch her during the week got her some clothes and some bubbles and some suckers. We're still trying the sucker thing. She wants to hold them and flail them around and stuff, but we're working on it. And then our family friend's brother, who is essentially like my adopted uncle and his wife got her a cute little basket with a, it's like an interactive picnic basket. You take the shapes out and you put them through the the little holes that coincide with what shape it is. And it makes noise and it comes with a little plate and these big giant plastic forks. So that was actually really cute because I remember when I was super little, the picnic basket was, you know, just a a normal basket didn't make any noise and we kind of had to pretend. But now you got these like battery powered talk to you picnic baskets. And I'm a little jealous of my child because I just, I love her toys. Anyways, way off topic. Then they got um, some puffs, of course, because every baby loves puffs. She got a couple clothes and these cute little ducks. And my friend's wife said, well, I saw one of the ducks. And then I saw the other duck and I decided I'm just going to get both ducks. Easter Sunday was essentially all about the tiny child, which that is okay. It's all good. We love the tiny child. So it's wonderful. And we love the people that love the tiny child. And then, you know, Monday was Monday. Had to get up, go to work after having a four-day weekend. Not a big deal, but super sluggish, tiny child, still didn't want to sleep. But thankfully, one of her top teeth finally came in, which I know that's been bothering her for a while. So I'm really glad that came in. I really hope that the other one will come in because that one is still bothering her. But guys, ladies, people, my friends, work today was just so draining. I probably spent most of my morning trying to recover a disappeared Google Excel spreadsheet. Not sure what happened. Got to work today. Started doing my stuff. One of my coworkers called me over to to help her because we have these Google spreadsheets that everybody uses in the office, and she couldn't find it. Every time she clicked on the link that she had saved, it would go to an error page saying that that the spreadsheet got deleted. I don't I don't know what happened. I went to everybody's computer, looked through their trash bin, looked through their Google Drive, looked through their email, and this document has just vanished. I am really hoping and begging and praying that this will actually just show up tomorrow, that maybe it was a glitch somewhere. And hopefully it's, you know, just chilling in space somewhere. Because the IT guy that I 
talked to for most of the morning. He tried everything. We looked up so many different tips and troubleshoots and we can't find it. It's gone. And it is probably like three years worth of stuff that we need. I just hope tomorrow is a little bit better. I hope that maybe it'll just show up. It'll just reappear that there was just a glitch and it's still there and we don't have to go through every single file in our filing room to put all this information back. But yeah, that's been my week. Let's see how yours was. Here, let's go to let's go to Twitter. Let's see. Revere True Crime Podcast said that their weekend recap watched too much TikTok. They did research and they uploaded an episode. Oh, and look, they got some sleep. She said, I took advantage of this weekend and didn't do very much at all. There was also apparently some family drama on Easter because that's apparently typical of their family. She also said that she wishes that maybe she was a little bit more productive, that she has so much writing to do. Trust me, I understand, as you can hear on this episode. Let's see. Murderous Roots said they got to spend time with their kids and read books. That is great. I'm not the best at paying attention to reading a book. I personally like listening to them a little bit better. They did say they did a little bit of research, but decided to relax for a change. And I am extremely jealous. Let's see. Booze and Ghouls said that they cleaned, baked, decluttered their closet, crocheted, and watched several episodes of Hoarders. Would you be able to come to my house and clean and declutter my closet? Please. Let's see. Last but not least on Twitter, we have Jessica Vienna, who said that they randomly started an online business with their brother and that they are so excited, but that they couldn't take a rest from hustling even on Easter weekend. All right, Jessica, I'm going to want to know what this business is. Let me know. Tag me. Share it. Send me a DM. Now let's head on over to Instagram. We didn't get very much feedback this week, but hey, that is okay. I understand our lives get a little crazy. Not a big deal. Let's see. History at Mac podcast said that they chopped their hair up to their shoulders and that their plants have all started to sprout. And let me tell you, her hair is really cute because, of course, I asked for a picture. All right, last one. Pod Without an Odd said that they recorded an episode about epigenetics. I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. And the sinking of the Titanic. And finding intersectionally between the two involved a lot of off-topic discussions and a lot of champagne. I'm going to have to check out that episode because I find everything about the Titanic so fascinating. And I would really just love to hear all of your off-topic discussions. Okay, I do want to mention just one more thing. If you follow me on Twitter, that is wonderful. If you don't, please go follow me. I am at the murder bucket. We have surpassed 2,000 followers. Thank you to everyone who has followed me thus far and have stayed with me throughout this journey. And if you're not following me, the real question is why? But go follow me. Because I am doing a sticker giveaway. 
I am giving away 10 stickers and this is how it works. I have a pinned tweet right at the top of my page. So for every like, you will get one entry. For every comment, you get an entry. And for every quote retweet, you get an entry. So by this Sunday, I will randomly choose 10 of you to receive murder bucket stickers. Now remember, it's not a regular retweet. It's a quote retweet. Go ahead. Get out there. Like, comment, and quote retweet for your chance to get some murder bucket stickers. Because I know you want some stickers. Me, I'm obsessed with stickers. I just got some jury room stickers. And of course, I put it directly on my water bottle because, duh, I got to represent my friends. Before we move on to tonight's episode, let's hear from our sponsor. If you are searching for a podcast about crime relating to actual life events of military personnel, veterans, family members, and those associated with the military in any way, then have I got the podcast for you. Check out Military True Crime Addict Podcast, where the host will be exploring a plethora of actual true crime stories that have not been reported by any news outlet or media. Stories that upon hearing, you will be astounded by. History should have been told and reported on long ago. There will be detailed stories that touch on topics such as assault, harassment, sexual preference, abuse of power, PTSD, murder, hazing, rape, and all stories that in some way relate to our military, veterans, and their extended family. The hosts provide the voice of the victims and they hear their side of the story. They also raise awareness of the heinous crimes and those most impacted. You don't need to know anything about the military to enjoy this podcast. Listeners can hear true crime stories with the specifics of what occurred. You can check them out on Google Podcasts and Spotify. They are the Military True Crime Addict Podcast. And we're back. Tonight, we are in Rhode Island. February 1st, 1947, Joseph Curry was out on a walk beside the 10 Mile River, also known as Lover's Lane, when he came up on what he thought was a large boulder. When he went over to look, he instead found the body of 17-year-old Rita Botchard. She was covered in blood. Her throat was cut from ear to ear, and she had been stabbed 30 times. The day before, Rita told her foreman at work that she wasn't feeling well and left work at the Rhode Island Fabrics Company at 5.30. She was going to see a doctor and then visit her mother, who was a patient at the tuberculosis sanitarium. She never made it to the doctor or to see her mother. Rita and her siblings were visiting their aunt and uncle at the time, and when she did not return home, her family just assumed that she had gone to spend the night with a friend. The Pawtucket Police Department handled the investigation, and Chief Inspector Wilfred Wadsworth ordered almost the entire detective division to investigate her every step the day before. The police noted that there were no signs of a struggle at the scene. Her blue dress, brown and white saddle shoes, and yellow socks were not disheveled in any way, and the glasses that she wore were missing, as well as her handbag that contained $40. 
Dr. Albert Goddard was the medical examiner on the case, and he told reporters that she had not been raped. He called it a fiendish murder. It was noted that 13 wounds were counted on her back, including two deep gashes between her shoulder blades. What was interesting was there were only three holes found in the back of her coat. Her aunt and uncle didn't have any inkling that she was missing until they heard the description of her on the radio news broadcast Saturday afternoon. They called the police immediately. Rita's childhood was not easy. She and her three siblings became wards of the state after their dad died from tuberculosis and their mom was hospitalized. Both Rita and her sister Mildred worked at the Rhode Island Fabrics Factory. According to an article on WPRI.com, she told her sister a secret the night before she was murdered. She told her that she was afraid of a 35-year-old man. She apparently also told her best friend, Teresa, the same thing. There was no other mention about the 35-year-old man being brought into the police station or even questioned by them. Police then went to where she worked and questioned a foreman who told the investigators that he believed Rita had lied about being sick and thought maybe she had a last-minute date. This theory was brought to light when 20-year-old Armand Lemus came to the police and said he was supposed to have a double date with Rita and her sister Mildred, but the sisters never showed up. But soon after, they could find no link to any known boyfriends. There was a bus driver who knew Rita and said that he saw her get into a car around 6 p.m. in downtown Pawtucket. Police got a break in the case 18 days after her body was found. An eight-year-old boy was kicking grass at the edge of a sidewalk at the far end of Lover's Lane when he came in contact with an object. It was a knife that had a blade that was 8.25 inches long and stained with blood on both sides. After the weapon was surrendered to police, Dr. Albert stated that this knife fit the three puncture holes in Rita's coat. Two months went by until there was another lead. 17-year-old Eugene, who was Teresa's brother, said that he and Rita previously dated and that he had many brushes with the law. He worked in the same factory until he took a leave of absence in mid-January of 1947. He was questioned by police and first insisted that he was in downtown Pawtucket between 7 and 10 p.m. on the night of Rita's murder. After 72 hours of interrogation, Eugene got very frustrated and told police that he would tell them exactly what happened. He claims that on Friday afternoon, he went to the factory and asked the foreman in charge if it would be okay to come back to work that following Monday. He then went to downtown Pawtucket and entered a theater. He said that Rita came in shortly after and sat down next to him. They decided to leave and walk up Main Street and eventually sat down on a bench. He then claims that a car with yellow registration plates drove up, addressed Rita, and then she persuaded Eugene to get in the car. They drove to the entrance of Slater Park and Eugene asked to be driven back to the theater. He then recalls that the driver asked Rita if she wanted to go home or go back to the park and she said the park. Eugene goes on to say that around 8 p.m., he went back to Slater Park and found Rita sitting on a bench alone and crying. When he asked her what was wrong, she slapped him in the face, got up, and walked away. He followed her, asking again what was the matter, and she again slapped him. 
He says that he then passed out, and when he came to, he was lying on the ground in the woods with a girl's body beside him. He saw a knife on the ground, got up, and took the trolley back to his house shortly after 10 p.m. Police took Eugene back to the park to try and retrace his steps. When asked how her body was lying on the ground, he indicated that her head was pointed toward the river when it was in fact at a right angle at the river when she was discovered. The area where she was found was muddy and marshy. The police asked about Eugene's clothes from that night, and he claimed to only have a few leaves on his coat. Police found even more inconsistencies with his story. He told police that he woke up around 10 p.m. and that she was dead. The medical examiner, though, places her death of no earlier than 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. When police found her body later that afternoon, there was no knife. Eugene was eventually deemed crazy and got admitted to the Charles V. Chapin Hospital, where he was held in the mental ward. He was cooperative, calm, and helpful at first, but then he became extremely irritable and showed signs of hostility toward the staff. He refused to obey orders and was very reluctant to go to therapy. Because the police could not prove nor disprove his claims, he was discharged from the hospital and was remanded to the custody of the juvenile court for unrelated charges. But as quickly as leads and theories entered the picture, they quickly left. No further leads ever came in, and no other clues were found, and no other suspects had been brought in. Rita's aunt and uncle were evicted from their home shortly after her death, which led to her siblings being placed into foster homes and institutions. Eugene was released from a reform school in 1951, and there is next to nothing about his life, except for his marriage to a former school inmate. Now that 74 years have passed since her murder, a lot of things have changed. The state home and school where she lived after her father died was demolished in the 50s. The sanitarium where her mother died closed in 1982. The hospital where Eugene was committed closed in the 70s. The factory where she worked is now abandoned and has been vacant for a long time. The theater where she and Eugene allegedly met was demolished in the 1950s. All that remains of this crime is the tree where she was found that still has the hatchet marks on its side. Sue Anthony and Rick Botchard were born several years after their aunt was murdered but the stories that are told by their parents haunt them. In an article on WPRI.com, Rick says, I just want closure. I want her to rest in peace. It's all my father talked about. It bothered him so much, and hopefully we can put an end to it. They got away with her murder. Hopefully they're suffering like she did. Sue states, my mother couldn't even go to her sister's grave. She is never forgotten. In 2019, Pawtucket Detective Sue Cormier reopened the case. She knows the odds of solving a case this old and that the person who killed her is more than likely dead at this point. She remains committed to solving it, though. She said, speaking with the family members and how much that means to them, I want to look at this case and see what we could do, if anything about it. Somebody got away with it. I know it's a long shot. 
But if anyone has any information, they are asked to call 1-877-RI-SOLVE. That concludes tonight's episode. But before you go, check out this promo from my friend Melanie at Mask of Sanity Podcast. Well, hey there, I'm Melanie Peterson, the host of Mask of Sanity. Buckle up, my friends, and come on a journey with me as I take you through the cases of some of the world's most notorious killers and root for the brave men and women who brought them to justice. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and hear all about the calculated madness of some of the world's most brutal killers who hid behind the Mask of Sanity. Don't forget to follow Mask of Sanity on all social media to stay up to date on each week's episode. Until next time, stay safe, friends. Thank you for listening to Murder Bucket, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at The Murder Bucket, on Facebook, at Bucket Murd, and on Instagram, at Murd Bucket.